Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well, you know. I'm sitting here still trying to make sense of the movie that we're doing this week, which is 2013's Snitch. I am really puzzled by it, but not for the reasons that I usually am. Uh, I guess we'll get into that. And Charlie, you're absolutely right. As we finish up the Hanukkah season, we do have many questions about this movie. But before all that, of course, it's time for our Rock News of the Week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Okay, so we have uh, three pretty big pieces of news this week. First off, this happened a couple of weeks ago, but Dwayne Johnson announced on Instagram that he and his girlfriend of seven years are expecting a baby girl in the spring, which is great. Congrats, Dwayne. We're all really happy for you. That's great. The more Dwayne Johnson DNA that we can get out into this world, uh, the happier I'll be. So that'll make... They will all be like Olympics, Olympic (laughs) athletes. So that's three daughters for old DJ. And I think when you look back, especially at movies like The Game Plan, Moana, and Fate of the Furious, Dwayne Johnson, really part of his brand is being a mentor to young women. And I think a lot of that stems from his daughters. So he's about to add uh, another daughter to the fleet. So congrats, Dwayne. And the second piece of news that we have, uh, highly anticipated by us, and as far as I'm concerned, the rest of the world, Jumanji comes out very, very soon. And... As we record this episode, it currently has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was shocked to learn this would make it the highest rated live action Dwayne Johnson movie ever. I mean, that's incredible. And we've been talking about Jumanji for some time now. We've been excited, then less excited, then excited again. Uh, But if this is at 84% and this is the highest rated live action movie, do you you know what's around it? Do we have a sense of what movies are like come close? So- Moana, obviously, is the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes score that Dwayne Johnson has under his belt, and that's a 96. And I would argue that when you add in Disney animation, you know, that sort of tips the scales in that favor. So some of the other highly rated Rotten Tomatoes scores that Dwayne Johnson has is uh, the Fast and Furious movies. Furious 7 is an 80%, Fast 5 is a 77%, and Fast and Furious 6 is a 69%. Nice. I love it. Oh, Uh, man. But other than that, other than the Fast and Furious movies, the highest rated Dwayne Johnson vehicle, as I'm looking through this list, I got to say it's Central Intelligence. And that is even split with Kevin Hart. So does that even really count? Wow. I mean, and honestly, when you look at those movies, though, no surprise in the in the names that come to the top of the list with Fast and Furious and Central Intelligence. Those are the most bankable, most star power, uh, biggest franchise movies he's done. So not surprising, but you know this would be huge. This Jumanji, that's a non-sequel. I guess you still got that Kevin Hart push, but this is a seven bucks production. Uh, this would be a huge rebound after the you know kind of critical failure that was Baywatch. Yeah, the the wet fart that was Baywatch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really worried about this, and I know that you and I have talked about it. That you know the lineup that we have coming out of Dwayne Johnson's next three projects all on paper sound really underwhelming. So I'm really, really happy that Jumanji seems to have defied expectations and that booing the score a little bit because when this movie was announced, there was a lot of hate on Twitter. So 
the fact that it's better than people expected may be inflating scores a little more than if people didn't know it was coming. But uh, I can't wait for it now. It seems like it's going to be funny. And one more note, I, I hadn't scrolled all the way down to the end of this list on Rotten Tomatoes. The only other Dwayne Johnson vehicle that has a uh, high score, the rundown, also at 70%. So you have to go all the way back to 2003. But you know, that's it's. I gotta say, it's, it's fairly in line with the way that we have tended to rank these movies. So that's actually fairly interesting to see uh, that those are the movies represented up at the top. Yeah, I, I think across the board, you're you're about right, except for we have the game plan uh, at 29%. And Love wh- it! And, you're, and what's your ranking on that one? Like um, number I six? I believe that's my like my fourth or my fifth favorite. Oh my favorite gosh, 29%. Movie. Well, I that's my fifth. That's I, my fifth favorite. I can't really talk because uh, G.I. Joe is a 28%, and it's relatively highly ranked in my rankings. <laughs> that's in your top half. It's, uh, it's my number seven, actually. Oh, man. And the last piece of news that we have this week for Rock Talk is that Hollywood's earnings rankings came out. Dwayne Johnson fell from number one like he had last year. Dwayne Johnson came in at number two this year, uh, even though no- he was number one last year. This year, he earned $65 million for his work on Ballers, Fate of the Furious, Baywatch, and uh, Jumanji. But, you know, it's basically tied with Mark Wahlberg, who came in at number one. He he made $68 million. So uh, another really strong year, earnings-wise, for Dwayne Johnson. I would not say it would be a strong year with critics, but, you know, as a fan, I'm sitting here, I'm seeing him continuing to make a lot of money. That just tells me that he's going to continue to make movies for the foreseeable future. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of momentum on Dwayne Johnson's side this year. Uh, which is encouraging. Um, I I gotta say I find it baffling that Mark Wahlberg took that spot. It's I can't even think of many movies he was in. The only thing I can think of is that does does he get does the does do his earnings as an EP of Ballers get reflected in those totals? No, I think that these are just actor. I'm blanking on anything Mark Wahlberg's been in in the Let's last see, year. Transformers. So he had Patriots Day. The Boston oh, the bombing, Boston movie, sure. Transformers, which was a gigantic, gigantic movie, a huge budget on that anyway. Uh, and then other, and then you have Daddy's Home too, which is the movie that has begun to normalize or renormalize Mel Gibson. Hmm, that's a less than stellar lineup of films, though. Uh, but I guess, I guess he took that top spot. Yeah, well, Dwayne Johnson will get it next year because he has, I think, right now like three movies in post production, like just ready to go. And he'll have uh, the Fast and Furious spinoff movie the following year. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we need to worry about Dwayne Johnson slowing down anytime soon. And we will track that and keep you updated. But until then, it is, of course, time for Daddy to get going. So work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today, we are taking a look at Snitch, the 2013 PG-13 crime drama. It was directed by a guy named Rick Roman Woe, who uh, directed such movies as Felon and Shot Caller. Uh, so there's a little bit of a pattern in the kind of work that he's done. Interesting, <laughs> You know, real uh, real household movies that. Uh, everyone's favorite movie, Felon. Uh, <laughs> this dude is actually better known for his work as a stunt coordinator, uh, you might recognize movies like Gone in 60 Seconds. And then, interestingly enough, 
I found this pretty fascinating. He was the lead stunt coordinator on The Crow, uh, which is actually the movie uh, in which the lead actor died during filming because of a faulty prop. No way. Like a a stunt gone wrong. Yeah. Uh, So they're like, well, maybe you should stop doing stunt coordinating. Right. And move yes, on they moved, directing. Right. They moved him off stunts. Literally, he was supposed to be given uh, an unloaded gun, uh, but they gave him a loaded one. Oh, my uh, God. And so, it, like, I guess, you know, that's not good stunt coordination. Yeah, that's uh, a nightmare. It's about as bad as it gets. Um, budget-wise, this movie, Snitch, it was estimated to have a $15 million budget. Uh, actually made a pretty good amount of money, grossing a little bit more than $57 million worldwide. Uh, so more than tripled its budget uh, on the worldwide stage. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, as I look at it now, $15 million for a Dwayne Johnson movie. Uh, this has to be among one of his lowest budget uh, budgeted movies. I mean, this is essentially like an indie film as far as Dwayne Johnson is concerned. And and you're absolutely right. Even when you look at the, the content of this movie and the fact that it's pretty much a straight drama, uh, it felt like an indie movie. It felt like such like a such a, a swerve away from what we we're used to seeing Dwayne Johnson in whether that was good or bad we'll get to uh, but it certainly was different and it made for some some compelling moments but shall we just jump into act one here give you a sense of what's going on John Matthews played by Dwayne Johnson is the owner of a construction company he receives a call from his ex-wife who tells him that his estranged son Jason is being charged for distribution of narcotics Jason, as we learn, is not actually a dealer. His friend set him up in a sting operation to reduce his own sentence after being caught with drugs. Using his connections, John arranges several meetings with the local U.S. attorney, Joanne Keegan, played by Susan Sarandon, who agrees to reduce Jason's sentence if John can inform on a drug dealer, but states that the only help he'll receive from her office is the monitoring of Agent Cooper, who could swoop in to make an arrest on a moment's notice. John searches through his employee records and finds an employee on his payroll with two former distribution convictions. Daniel James, played by John Bernthal, is currently leading a clean life to avoid a third strike, as he now has a wife and a young son to care for. John offers him $20,000 to introduce him to a dealer. Daniel initially refuses, but later agrees, so that he can move his wife and his son to a safer apartment, though he is unaware that John's currently acting as an informant. Uh, so that's that's Act One, Charlie. What are your first thoughts on on John Matthews, Dwayne Johnson's character? This is a hard dramatic turn for Dwayne Johnson, but honestly, I could not really dif- differentiate this character from any of the other sort of stoic, good-hearted, strong, capable characters that he's played in the past. I mean, I didn't get any depth from this character. I, I agree on a, on a, to a point. I I felt that this was. You know, when we watch Race to Witch Mountain, we kept commenting on his character seemed to have this almost alien-like coolness about everything that was happening, like no reaction to anything, no depth of emotion. I thought that this was kind of that character done right. Very sure of himself and what's going on, very level-headed, definitely not a superhero by any means. This is not a rundown-esque character. This is not a Fast and Furious-esque Dwayne Johnson. Very much regular guy, but a little more confident and a little more capable than what we saw in something like Race to Witch Mountain. Also with this movie, uh, we get a little header right at the beginning saying it's inspired by true events. Is this in the realm of like pain and gain inspired by true events, or is this a little bit looser do we have an idea do we have a sense of that 
you know, from what I could tell, the only thing true about this story is that it was inspired by a PBS Frontline documentary, which would make this the first documentary inspired, or no, not the first documentary inspired Dwayne Johnson movie. That would also be Gridiron Gang, also inspired by a documentary. Oh, that's totally right. Now that I think about it, this movie has a lot of parallels to Gridiron Gang. I feel like Dwayne Johnson's character in both of those were, you know, very similar. You know what's funny is that we have now, I come back to Gridiron Gang a ton uh, in terms of his character. And that's because that was the first time that we've seen a Dwayne Johnson character that describes himself as like coming up from the streets in order to do something good. And then in uh, Race to Witch Mountain, we have a similar thing. And in G.I. Joe, we get a similar thing. I'm starting to feel like Gridiron Gang is like our one degree of separation thing for every Dwayne Johnson movie. It sort of feels like a neutral ground, like a very middle level, middle of the pack movie. But somehow, I don't I feel like so many of his performances are rooted in that one. Gridiron Gang really is the line of demarcation between movies that I really don't like watching and movies that I do like watching. So everything that ranks above Gridiron Gang, I could watch again. Everything that ranks below, I could go the rest of my, rest of my life without seeing. And and this movie is is right up right about there as well. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, yeah, there's some really interesting acting choices that Dwayne Johnson does. I think he really is trying. Uh, he's going up against some heavyweights like Susan Sarandon. Okay, well, what did you think about her? Because I I had a lot of problems. First of all, I I do think is this. The best actor, like dramatic actor, that Dwayne Johnson has ever been paired with. Are you telling me that Vin Diesel is not the best dramatic actor that he's ever been paired with? No, I think that you're right. I think that Susan. I think this is the probably the highest uh, like tier uh, actor that he's ever had a, a chance to act against. I, I I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's that or Christopher Walken. Yeah, and I think and I think Christopher Walken kind of stole the show. A little yeah, bit and that's what he down. does. Yeah, he's a little more cartoony than. But uh, Susan but I Hannah. didn't get that sense. Like for me, her performance felt unhinged in this movie. Oh, see, I didn't think she was like flying off the handle or anything, or just making crazy choices. But uh, I, her character is very much like uh, ambitious politician who only cares about you know the bottom line and how she would look to the public, not about sort of going against the letter of the law to make more common sense decisions because this whole, you know, story is based on or hinges on rather uh, that this kid who doesn't have a record, who doesn't deal drugs is about to go to jail for 10 years for holding his uh, friend's pills. I mean, that seems insane. Is that how that works? Like that, that all seems so ambiguous. And also I didn't understand the way this movie opens is like, the kid is is Skyping with his friend and the friend's like, I'm going to send you some drugs. And the kid's like, no, I don't know, man. Like, don't do it. And then moments later, the drugs are there. I, did, I was very confused about this, the entire start of this movie. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if this was, again, I was, I really thought maybe we we're going to get a drug heist movie. I didn't know what we were getting into. Well, it was, it sort of turned into that, but let me ask you something though. So, we find out later that the kid set him up that, you know, Dwayne Johnson's son's friend set him up. So obviously he was working with the DEA at that point. Wouldn't the DEA know that this kid like sent- was set up, right? That would be part of the evidence. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's immediately like she should be in on this from the beginning. Right, it shouldn't she, even be. She should know. And and spoiler alert: uh, at the end of the movie, Dwayne Johnson frees his son by taking down the head of a drug cartel. It takes that much to free his son. Meanwhile, this kid that set his son up just had to send a package. Basically, the only thing that Dwayne Johnson's son did wrong was sign for the package. Right. Not much. And so also, here's a here's a question. Does I guess does that kid who set up Dwayne Johnson's son, does he then have to go back and serve his jail time when the kid gets off? No. Like when when Jason's sentence is commuted, you don't like does this kid that set up that kid like because in I guess in theory, his sentence gets reduced to one year when he sets up Jason. But when Jason's sentence gets completely eliminated, does that other friend get like his 10 years back and have to go find another kid to set up? Yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you that drug. Yeah, exactly. The head of the drug cartel now has to go uh, send more send pills to a kid. <laughs> uh, I want to see that story. Uh, but beyond plot things, you know, what did you think about things like the music in this movie, the directing? I thought it was all a little weird. It was so serious. Yeah, and definitely something so... I wasn't expecting. Like really moody orchestral score and lot so much dark lighting, like almost like a film noir at times in the pacing and everyone whispers. It, they're either yelling or they're whispering. <laughs> yeah, which is actually pretty consistent across Dwayne Johnson movies. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to talk about is, oh boy, Dwayne Johnson at this cookout where he finds out that his kid's been arrested. Does that oh, not look like the best cookout ever? It is relaxed everyone is smiling he is the prototypical grill master oh yeah you just know that that hamburger was char grilled perfectly medium rare Mm. my only issue is that he was drinking miller and not corona (laughs) well we all know that uh you know corona has an exclusive deal with the fast and furious franchise uh yeah and (laughs) and that's a problem but yeah, uh, he looks like real Dwayne Daddy Johnson at that point. And that is, though, you know, in terms of, of again, like Dwayne Johnson's character here, we also get a weird scene of Dwayne Johnson getting the crap beat out of him, which, yeah. you know, we love, like, a grilling scene is kind of a staple in a lot of Dwayne Johnson movies, but getting beat up is not. Honestly, this is the first time that mere mortals are able to bring down Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So... What happens here is, I guess, because he's mad at drug dealers, he goes and tries to fight some. This was so weird. I think what he was doing was was trying to to buy drugs from a drug dealer that he could then implicate in order to get his son off. Like, I think that I guess he I don't know, but like he's just going to what he's just going to get some like low level random guy on the street. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. that. And also there's an easier way to like like. He didn't have to go to like the scariest part of town to buy Coke. Like he could have just, I'm sure if he wanted to buy like weed, like there's, there's so many like easier ways to have done what he wanted to do. Yeah, I I guess. Um, Yeah. But I, this is something we haven't even talked about, but what is the plausibility that a district attorney or, or federal prosecutor, U.S. U.S. attorney would be able to have a convicted felon's father work on behalf of the felon. You know what I mean? It seems crazy to me. Right. It's a weird... I don't know what she would have to stand to gain. 
Like, obviously, the fact that he ends up bringing down, like, a cartel leader. Right, but I, they have no idea that that's going to happen in the beginning. Right, well, that's, I mean, he could have very well come back with just, like, one of these random guys from down the street, like, one of these drug dealers on the block. And they and would then, have reduced it from 10 years to two years. But, but like, why would she, like, what's in it? Like, I, that was such a weird, it was so weird. But I guess that was a good moment because it showed the kid didn't want to sell out one of his friends. It was supposed to be a character-defining moment for the kid, which I was thinking, I'm watching this movie, like, son, like, I would sell out, I sell out my own sister to get myself out of this 10-year sentence. <laughs> oh, I know. It I would not insane. do well in jail. I don't want it. I wouldn't like it. We should actually, there might be a, there's a pretty good conversation we might have here between John Matthews, Dwayne Johnson's character, and Attorney Keegan, which kind of sets up their relationship and, and sort of what Dwayne Johnson sets out to do. Yeah, so I think so too. Let's play that. All right, well, let's see. 18 years old. Well, you must have had him when you were quite young. Sophomore in college, and me and his mom were high school sweethearts. Well, you have my sympathies, uh, but... Uh, I believe in the mandatory minimum laws. We're fighting a war right now, not just on drugs, but on the violence they bring. And we are losing badly, so it's time for all our sakes that we have to turn this around. Ms. Keegan, I agree, I do. But my son, Jason, he's not a drug dealer. He's a good kid, and he just made a really dumb, naive mistake. And he's willing to do anything he can to help out his situation. But the only drug dealer that he knows is Craig Johnson, who you already have in custody. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Please, there's got to be something I could do. Well, no, the, the laws are designed to preclude any special circumstances, so it's really quite simple. We need your son to help us make arrests before we can help him reduce his sentence. If he can't do that or isn't willing to do that, then there's really nothing we can do. I'm sorry. And now, um, I have to be somewhere else. What if I did it for him? What? What if I helped you make a rest? Uh, it's not the way it works. Please. I just want to help my son. I understand. And I really am sorry, but my hands are tied. So that conversation basically sets up the, the main plot in action in Act 2. Daniel introduces John to Malik, an extremely dangerous, high-ranking local drug dealer, John offers to run nearly limitless amounts of drugs at almost zero risk in his freight trucks. Malik agrees under the condition that John and Daniel drive the initial run themselves. During the transaction, at the pickup point near the Mexican border, a rival gang ambushes the scene, but John manages a daring escape, impressing cartel kingpin Juan Carlos El Topo Pintera, whose cartel successfully fights off the ambushers. John successfully completes his end of the deal, delivering the drugs to Malik while under surveillance by Agent Cooper. During the transaction, Malik mentions a meeting with cartel members higher than himself. Cooper, hoping to catch those higher priority targets, doesn't arrest Malik during the deal, hoping instead to later catch those higher priority cartel targets. John is outraged, but U.S. Attorney Keegan claims that Cooper did the right thing and refuses to reduce John's son's sentence unless John cooperates in a second meeting. John is angry, but he agrees. At the same time, Daniel discovers John's dealing with the attorney's office, saying that the cartel will surely kill both of them and their families. Reluctantly, he agrees to help John complete this final mission. 
Okay, so Dwayne Johnson uh, has now graduated from dealing with the local drug dealers on the block uh, to dealing with this guy Malik, who is like a local kingpin and even cartel. Charlie, what did you think about these these scenes with Dwayne Johnson sort of acting as an undercover police officer? Yeah, it's weird. It seems like he knows what he's doing. And this is a man who, as far as we know, is just in the construction business. So it seems weird that he would have all of these investigative skills and be able to work people like he like he's able to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kept waiting for him to reveal some sort of like military background or he used to be a drug dealer himself. And that's how he knows this world. Yeah. But he's he's just a dad who is works at a construction yard. Totally. This movie seems a little weird. Like Dwayne Johnson is way too competent for this. He never really has a moment where he's reluctant. Or, or any of that. He goes straight from man in a construction business to straight up doing drug deals. And and I guess that part of it is is very similar to like Breaking Bad, where a man will do anything for his family, even conduct drug deals. But Breaking Bad does it so much better that that's really all I could think about. And I gotta say, Dwayne Johnson is the most conspicuous looking undercover cop you could ever pick. Oh, I know. For sure. Uh, he straight up looks like a narc. Like, he's sitting in there, all 280 pounds of muscle, goatee, staring ahead like, I want to help your business. I want to make money. Like, I'd be like, no, get out of my drug den. You are a cop. I will kill you. Bye. Right. And maybe that's just because we're so used to him playing some sort of law enforcement role in movies. But, yeah, I would like to think that as well. He doesn't come off, like, skeezy enough to be, like, a maybe, like, a bouncer or something like that. Uh, if you're a bouncer and you're listening to this, I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, <laughs> we have a big bouncer contingent of, <laughs> yeah. of listeners. Okay, this movie also, in terms of kind of of sort of moving away from a typical Dwayne Johnson, you know, he drives a ton of this movie, but it's mostly like a 16 wheeler. No, uh, you mean like an 18 wheeler? An 18 wheeler? Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> you're leaving two wheels off there, huh? You're shortchanging old DJ. <laughs> uh, um, the funny just, thing. Oh, go ahead. I just thought that was so odd to place like the majority of this movie in what is neither a sexy automobile or a fast mode of transportation or a, a very powerful. Like it's just a truck. We just watched this guy drive a truck for like 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. At one point they're like, the trip is a thousand miles. Okay. Well, that's the most boring thing in the world. We like <laughs> literally for the next 10 minutes, watch Dwayne Johnson drive a like a thousand miles to the U.S. Mexican border. Like it seems crazy. There aren't a whole lot of like vehicle chases more dull than somebody chasing like an 18 wheeler. It's going way too slow. They don't even have the budget here to make it seem like it's going faster. Uh, so yeah, all the car chases are really are are like O.J. Simpson low speed chases. Yeah, it's it's exactly it. It's so tame and so odd. And this is just a personal gripe that I have. I hate when movies like are centered around a giant vehicle like this. Like speed drove. I didn't like speed. I don't like movies where like action takes place on a boat. So like I guess like Titanic, like. I don't enjoy that. There's no, to me, there is no drama. Like I need there to be more speed. And this is probably just my fast and furious talking, but like, I need, I don't, I think that you lose dramatic tension when you're on a larger vehicle. 
Unless it's the Hindenburg. I would watch any movie about the Hindenburg. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think you can do it really well. Like, look at Snowpiercer, and a lot of people would point to Speed as being one of those uh, movies about everything is centered on one vehicle. Uh, and this, it's like, it's a whole 18-wheeler, and you find out that they're carrying only, at least at this part of the movie, two bags of cocaine. Yes, that was so stupid. Like, if they, <laughs> why are they? And they hid the two bags of cocaine under, like, 60 bags of cement. It's like such overkill. Like, give me, give me stakes. I feel like the the original Fast and Furious movie where they they were stealing like LCD computer screens and like fifteen inch plasmas. There was probably more value in that one truck than all of Dwayne Johnson's drug flow in this movie. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, and, and when he finally does do business the first time with this, you know, uh, cartel head named El Topo. I just want to say once and for all, maybe. Movies can stop with the cliche of like every drug dealer needs to have like a buck knife that they carve into the bag of cocaine <laughs> to sample it. Like that seems insane. Like that's been done so many times. It's overdone. And also on that same thing, I feel like every drug dealer also is like El Diablo, El Topo. It's always a Mexican cartel leader with the most obvious of nicknames. Except I will say El Topo for means the mole, which is not a very good drug kingpin name. Right, when you're like doing a movie about double crossing a cartel or double crossing anything or uh, investigations, Dwayne Johnson is the mole. Maybe, maybe that's the irony of this movie. Is like, ooh, uh, El Topo didn't realize that Dwayne Johnson was the mole the whole time. That is so much depth that I'm not sure this movie possesses <laughs> or was ever intended to possess, but it does on some strange level. Yeah. Another thing that drove me crazy is the sound design in this movie. When Dwayne Johnson goes and talks to his son in prison, they meet in like a really busy and loud uh, visitor's room at the prison. But when they start talking to each other, it's dead quiet. Which, it doesn't make any sense. They're like whispering to each other. And he's like, you know, the kid's like, oh, I'm sorry, dad. And Dwayne Johnson's like, you didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, Come on, like they should have to yell at each other to hear each other. It, it, I don't it's know. It's true, and they were just and the that was a, I think it's supposed to be such a dramatic, intense moment. But I couldn't help but notice, like the kid that plays Jason, he cries in every single scene that he's in, and by the third time you see someone crying on screen, it's really like, all right, bub, you need to get you need to gather ye rosebuds. Get it together. <laughs> it took away from any kind of emotional pull that I thought the scenes had. But I don't know. Again, I still, I up until this point in the movie, I have to say, I still was buying like Dwayne Johnson's motivation. I was in on it. I liked him as a character. I liked that he was this sort of average Joe getting involved in this deeper world. I was intrigued by the story and I was still waiting for something big to happen. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Dwayne Johnson is never going to work as an average Joe. He's just not. I mean, you take a look at the man. I mean, they do their best in this movie to make him seem more average. But try as you might, it's just not going to happen. And maybe I had a problem with that, that maybe this movie wasn't really written for him. And I feel like oftentimes his best movies are written with him in mind rather than him trying to squeeze into a role that was written for somebody else. That makes perfect sense. And this, you think about this movie, I mean, his role really could have been could have been anyone 
I mean, the, the, the people in this movie to begin with are all relatively unknown, uh, with the exception of this guy who plays Daniel James, John Bernthal, who has since uh, taken up the mantle as the Punisher in the TV show. Um, but at 2013, he was not. So he was still relatively unknown at that point in time. You know, we have a couple of people like that that have gone on to be big names in Netflix shows. David Barber plays a cop in this, and uh, he's uh, yeah. You see Hopper. I couldn't believe that Hopper was in this movie. Hopper from Stranger Things. Uh, He looks a lot more clean, clean cut in this movie, clearly. But uh, yeah, and and you have what's his name, Uh, Michael Kenneth Williams as Malik. And I wonder if that man is tired of playing like drug dealers and thugs because he did the same thing in The Night Of. He did a similar thing in Community, although it was played more for, for comedy then. But uh, yeah, I he was in The Wire. I mean, look, but look, look, this guy, he knows what he's good at. He's yeah. got he's got it down. That's true. And and he was entrapped in the closet. Chapters 13 through 22. So oh my really god! That's right. That's where this guy is from. Oh my god! <laughs> he he's plays the, a cop. He's the cop. He's the yeah. police officer. He's the one that busts a little person in the house. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That's exactly what it is. Oh no! Wow, guys, guys, stop what you're doing. Put this on pause. Go watch the entirety of Trapped in the Closet. It's <laughs> oh, on YouTube. Maybe after we get done, when we finish Rock Talk, we can start a new podcast called Trapped in the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and cover every single second of R. Kelly's rap opera. Oh, wow. Honestly, guys, let's make this happen. <laughs> wow. Oh man! All right. Well, that's I've completely derailed at this point. I'm <laughs> I'm ready to go make that right now. Like, <laughs> I don't think we're ever gonna recover from that. But that's maybe my biggest problem with this movie is it's not that I didn't like it because if it was like so egregiously bad, I would have a lot more to say about it. But this is just so like it's fine, and I know a lot of the reviews praised Dwayne Johnson in this movie. Yeah, uh, Roger Eber and Roper. Uh, they called this the best performance of his career to date. Uh, again, this was 2013, but still, that's that's major praise for this movie. Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know. Like, it really was. I, I think you mentioned earlier that, like, tonally, this movie seems like there's going to be a is is eventually going to turn into like an action movie. Or it's gonna be like uh, I don't know, like a, like a slow burn into like a, a climactic ending. And I know we haven't even gotten to Act Three yet, but like this, it just never really materializes. And that brings us to Act Three, uh, the conclusion of Snitch. John meets with the cartel boss Juan Carlos Pintera, who asks John to run nearly one hundred million dollars in drug profits into Mexico offering to make John a full member of the cartel's inner circle if he succeeds. John reports this information to Keegan and Cooper, who have mixed reactions. Keegan is ecstatic due to finding such a large target, but Cooper tries to talk John out of the run, as he suspects the cartel will kill him after he's completed it. John devises a plan to free himself and Daniel from both the government and the cartel. During the run, John escapes Cooper's surveillance. At the same time, Daniel raids Malik's drug den, killing his guards and mortally wounding Malik, 
gaining Juan Carlos's cell phone number in the process. John then calls Agent Cooper, has him track both his own cell phone and Juan Carlos's phone, effectively giving Cooper both the money in his truck and the drug kingpin all at once. After the cartel then realizes John is an informant and an ensuing highway chase and shootout, John escapes. The surviving cartel members and money are seized by Cooper's men and Juan Carlos is captured. The movie ends with John's son Jason being released the next day. John and his family go into the witness protection program and leave Daniel the large reward check that John himself received for the capture of Juan Carlos. So we get this sort of uh, what's meant to be a rousing conclusion uh, where Malik is killed and Daniel and John sort of outsmart both the government and the cartel leader uh, in order to kind of give everybody what they want at the end. Is this, I mean, this is again, we... This is when we expected sort of a major plot twist or major action scene. This is, I guess, it, but it's not much of a climax, in my opinion. No, uh, there really isn't any sort of twist in this movie. All the drug dealers end up dead or in jail, and all the good guys end up getting what they want. I didn't really... I, I, I don't know. It was just way too straightforward of a story to really make much of an impact on me. I thought Daniel James, this is probably... You know, his strongest act in this movie probably had the best action sequence when he went in and like straight up murdered Malik and everyone in his house. He murdered everyone up in that house. Uh, But again, it wasn't he just sort of ran in and shot three people like it wasn't a there was no standoff. There was very little tension. It just sort of happened. And, And it's the kind of sequence that I would have expected Dwayne Johnson to play. The moment that we've all seen coming in this movie and what the movie has been building up to is we knew eventually the cartel was going to figure out that John is the informant. But what happens is like a low speed car chase where they're firing guns at him and he just rams them off the road. And it's really not that big of a deal. Right. There's no like evasive action. There's no, he hasn't really, there's no real shootout. He just swings his big truck into their cars and then they either like sort of fall off the road or one of them like runs into a utility pole. Like it never felt like the stakes were very high, uh, which is weird because all this movie has been doing for like an hour and 15 minutes is trying to build those stakes as best they can. Um, but there's no payoff. There's it's, it's just sort of cut and dry. It's like as if you were reading a news article instead of watching a movie. Well, and <laughs> You know what? That's basically what this movie was based on, was a short documentary on Frontline. Clearly, whoever wrote this, the director wrote it, just had a bone to pick with mandatory drug sentencing minimums. Like, I get that that's a, you know, that's an admirable message to have. The war on drugs isn't working or whatever, but you could have done it in a much more compelling story than this. And honestly, I guess it boils down to this. This movie is boring. It is, which is something that we rarely say for a Dwayne Johnson movie, even when a movie is bad. You know, you look at the Baywatches, the Tooth Fairies, rarely are they outright boring. Uh, Not to say this was a bad movie, because I don't think it was bad. It just wasn't wildly entertaining, which is just not what you expect for a Dwayne Johnson. Like, like this is the kind of movie that I, I know my dad would be comfortable watching if he was just scrolling through on TV and this was like on the USA network, like, Oh I, yeah, I, that that's exactly where this movie belongs. 
Like, I, and I can see people enjoying it because it's straightforward. It's to the point. It's a good role. And I liked, I liked points of it. And I thought it was building to something better than it was. It just never materialized. So I, it's sort of like, it was just, I think that this movie could have been a lot more um, than it was. And I, I think it probably makes sense that Dwayne Johnson had never really done a movie quite like this to this point, And he hasn't done anything even remotely similar since. I think he's realized that he needs to, rather than, not that he was trying to win an Oscar here, but like realize that that's not his wheelhouse and to stick to what he knows best. Uh, and I'm glad that he did. You know, maybe this was a movie that he wanted to get out of his system, uh, but it didn't really seem like a passion project or anything like that. So I guess I'm just mostly confused. So this movie, Snitch is a pretty much a one-off in the Dwayne Johnson catalog, uh, but Charlie... My question for you is very important one. Does it pass the franchise Viagra test? Franchise Viagra. <laughs> so the franchise Viagra test uh, is made up of three tenets, as always, and those are hard work, charisma, and physique. Uh, number one, hard work. You know, I do think he's acting uh, as hard as he can. Sometimes it seems like he's overacting a little bit, really, really trying to dig into it. And then other times... He seems so stoic that he's almost wooden. Uh, you do get a few Dwayne Johnson tears, which is always an interesting thing to see. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And for sure, he passes the hard work test. Charisma. Jordan, you can weigh in as well, but I don't really see it here. It's really hard to say. There are moments, right? But, you know, we hardly played clips from this movie because there wasn't really any lines of dialogue that really stand out. There's really no you know, like classic Dwayne Johnson moment. And it might be because you and I are so deep into what, you know, what his movies have come to entail that maybe we're kind of missing it. But there was didn't seem to, to me to be anything that jumped out particularly likable or enigmatic or, or electric. So I, it's hard to say that he passes it. He doesn't really flex those charismatic muscles at all. Hardly any. I can't even think of a single time where there's any... Uh, comedic relief in this movie. Nothing that breaks the tension. But it's weird. Like, they don't really build that much tension in the first place. Like I said, it's, it's pretty boring. So you know what? He's not going to pass the uh, charisma test. And last, we have physique. You know, they really tried to make him seem like a average Joe in this movie. And, that you know, when you have Dwayne Johnson in your movie, you don't do that. I'm sure he looks great underneath those baggy clothes, but he doesn't show off that bod. So he doesn't pass the physique test either for me. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to see a sequel to this movie. Uh, something that we really didn't talk about so much is that at the end of the movie, his son gets out of prison. That's great and all. But his family goes into witness protection. So their lives are completely ruined by this. Yeah, completely ruined. And then you want to talk about Daniel James. You know, So, he, so Dwayne Johnson leaves him and his family the large reward check for it's like 100 grand. Uh, but Daniel James chooses not to go into witness protection, which has to mean that they're just going to get killed by the cartel. Oh, yeah. They make it clear that the cartel that El Topo works for is bigger than him, that he's just like a regional boss. So the regional boss goes down like you have plenty of other people that are going to step in and, you know, make who is responsible pay for that. I am really conflicted because I think in another world, I would like to see a sequel to this movie done right. 
Yeah. Or like I'd or I'd like to see this movie done right. Like I think that this movie in a lot of ways could have been the perfect Dwayne Johnson vehicle. He gets to go undercover in this world of like crime and deception and drugs. He's a father, he's doing it for his son, he's up against the DA of the city. Like to me there's a lot of compelling plot points and I even think that Daniel James with his angle of his wife and kid and the fact that his he used to be in this world and he's now dragged back into it like there are so many yeah. things that I'm intrigued by, but uh, that, oh, a, that sure. I would love a sequel, but only if this movie had been done correctly. So, right, like the a se- bones are good, Ugh. but the execution wasn't there at all for me. If I want to get into a fan theory, I would like to think that this movie is a prequel for Gridiron Gang. Whoa! So you, this is a whoa. <laughs> he goes into witness protection, so he develops a passion for for kids in the in the prison system. Right, because oh my of his gosh, son's experience. Because of the thing with the son, and yeah. he understands the youth. Yes, and he knows the life. He's now been as deep into the the weeds of this drug culture as one can get. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. And the backstory that the government gave him is that he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, uh, and that you know he was used to be part of a gang or whatever, and he he got his act clean. But it, when in reality, he used to work in the construction business. Ooh, I Dude, like that. We I don't get into a into ton that. We don't get a ton of fan theories uh, on Rock Talk, but you know what? This one seems to work. There, are, we have been asked. We at one point uh, we were asked to for our efforts at putting together a universal Dwayne Johnson timeline, trying to I tie. Which I've I don't thought know about how. that. <laughs> right, Dwayne Johnson would have to be a time lord, a la Doctor Who, <laughs> or something like that, to make all these work. But you can connect reasonably some of these all right and charlie if you had to put this in your rankings i know we've kind of hinted it a few times we're kind of back and forth on this movie do you have a general sense of where you might want to stick this yeah uh, i know earlier i said that gridiron gang seems to be pivot point between bad dwayne johnson movies and good dwayne johnson movies at least as far as my rankings are concerned so i look at that gridiron gang is at number eight directly behind that is get smart and, and as I look at it, I don't ever need to see this movie again. And when I think about movies in my rankings that I don't ever need to see again or would never, you know, have a reason to, I have Race to Witch Mountain, Scorpion King, Game Plan, Tooth Fairy, and Baywatch. You, your uh, game plan ranking is criminally low. <laughs> Number 13. I'm going to go ahead and rank this one also above the game plan, uh, also above Race to Witch Mountain. Uh, so this one comes in at number 10 on my rock talk rankings. I am I'm I'm actually right there with you. I've got at my my 9 and 10. My gridiron gang is is number 10 here. Um above it is get smart, below it is scorpion king. You know, I don't know if I could watch snitch again soon. I don't know if I could watch it again in 5 years. Uh but I did find it to be an important movie in what Dwayne Johnson has done. I think it was a bold movie for him to do. I think it was really the beginning of him expanding uh, his acting chops and it proved that he could do a drama. Uh, I think again, this movie, I think with better writing, this movie could have been something entirely different, but I think this is an important movie. And as such, I have it above both Gridiron Gang and Get Smart. This comes in for me at number eight on my rankings for Dwayne Johnson. And that does it for us with Snitch. Uh, Again, you've been listening to the number one rated, reviewed, and listened to podcast on the internet 
about Dwayne Johnson, uh, you can find us online, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, as well as social. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Rock Talk Pod. Please let us know. Did you watch Snitch? What were your thoughts? Uh, we would love to hear them because like, a, you, like you've heard, we are pretty perplexed about what this movie is and what it means for Dwayne Johnson. As always, uh, it's been a blast. And Charlie, as we near the holiday season, would you please let the kind folks at home know what show they've been listening to? You are sentenced to listening to Rock Talk.